Last week we began to look at glorification, a change of place, a change of place, a result of salvation. When somebody passes away as a Christian, what do we often say about that person? They've been promoted to glory, <laughs> promoted to glory, and uh, they haven't got their glorified body as yet, but they're in a state of consciousness. And uh, I read in Luke there about the different feelings they have. Um, Lazarus was blessed, was he not, in that place? And um, <clears throat> the, the uh, rich man, he, well, he was in a terrible place and torment. And so... <clears throat> there is life after death. And for all those who don't believe in it, which is the majority, probably 98% of people, one heartbeat away from hell. And when they go there, the realisation, it'll be terrible. Absolutely terrible. And it seems that some who are passing away who are unsaved and have cried out to deliver them from what they can sense they're going to it's a, it's a reality but for the Christian heaven is the grandest and greatest expectation as the scriptures say the earnest expectation of the creation waiteth for the manifestation of the sons of God when we've got our immortal body last week we considered three points heaven is a personal promise from a powerful potentate secondly heaven is a motivator to godly living we looked at that. We look thirdly at heaven is a prepared place for a prepared people. And now we go to the fourth point. Heaven is an anchor to aching hearts. I was encouraged this week by a fellow pastor from Toowoomba that phoned me up. And he said, oh, I had a um, nephew at the National Baptist Fellowship meetings from Catherine. You know, way over there, West Northern Territory. Yeah, it was because I saw the number plates of the car in the in the parking lot as a four-wheel drive, Northern Territory. And I thought, who's come from that far? <laughs> it's a long way to come. And uh, <clears throat> but anyway, the pastor said that you know that after the last sermon that was preached, yeah, my, my nephew who's 17 years old was hunting for someone to tell him how to get saved. And he got saved that night. So praise the Lord for the young 17 man. I said, he's got a church to go to. He's from Catherine. Ah, <laughs> oh, good. There is, a, there is a church there. It started five years ago. And the pastor is resigning. But I just heard this week that maybe someone else that we know, maybe, I can't say who his name is yet, <laughs> is going there to pastor the church because it would be hard to get a pastor to go there <laughs> with the heat and all the other things that go with that. So praise the Lord that, even at a conference where we're talking and encouraging each other as Christians that someone can get saved. And so <clears throat> that person now is prepared to go out into eternity. As has always been said in the family that I was raised in, life is given for a purpose, and the purpose is salvation. We have physical life. We're born once, but we've got to be born again to enter into new life and to eternity and to glorification. 
Um, and without that, there is no hope. Jesus' declaration was ye, what is it? Ye must be born again. If you want to see the kingdom of God, you must be born again. And that was to the, before he had died and shed his blood, that all that was to come shortly. And I pray that you have believed and trust the Lord. And I don't assume that everyone's saved. We mustn't assume that at a Bible conference. Everyone's saved here. No. Everyone in the church is saved. No. It might be more of a head than a heart knowledge of the Lord. So let's make sure that we are, that we might be glorified together. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for the word that so teaches us and encourages us as we read it and the great and wonderful promises given to Old and New Testament saints alike. And even the oldest of those written, Job, said, In my flesh I shall see God. And Lord, he, he had been taught and he knew enough to understand that. And that, Lord, we, we have the promise that we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. He's going to take us there one day. He has the power, the authority, and provided the way and the means, because he is the way, the truth, and the life, our Lord and Saviour. Lord, bless the word to our hearts today, and let us be encouraged if we're discouraged with the circumstance of life. And Lord, that we might look to you, and by faith believe all your promises. We pray for those that aren't well and their bodies are hurting. Lord, be with them, whether they're aged or young. Encourage them in their faith. Uh, mortal life can be painful, but Lord, eternal life is a, a blessing and a promise. Bless us as we consider these things in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> Second Corinthians in our reading this morning, Second Corinthians chapter five, and because we're looking topical messages in these that we're moving through Scripture, we don't have a central one because these topics are talked about in many places. So to start with this our reading in the first few verses there, verse one. We know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle, this tent. This tent were dissolved, we have a building of God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. That's pretty plain promise, isn't it? We've got a house not made with hands, it's not a mortal thing, it's eternal in the heavens. We have a building of God. It doesn't mean you're going to be a house when you get there. <laughs> a building of God, it's, it's talking about this tabernacle, this tent, and uh, we shall be like him. Wonderful thought. As this is an anchor to aching hearts in troublesome times, is it not? We have pretty good times. But consider those who might be where the Kurds are right now. In a position where an army far superior with air bombers and things that can bomb them at any time and they can't retaliate. And if you're a Christian... Fleeing with your family with a mattress on your back. Or just a, no, nothing, can't carry food, no car to go in. We've got it good, haven't we? When you think of people like that. Remember back when ISIS went into Syria there 
and had all these Christians on a hill surrounded, going to massacre them, but they went in and rescued. I've got an idea it was the Kurds that went in and got them, rescued them. So there are Christians over there, and we need to pray for them because they'll be aching hearts, hurting people. Why, God, is this happening to us? Now, there's a lot of Muslims there too and suffering people. But we have a building of God, a promise of the Lord here given to us. That being clothed, we shall not be found naked and clothed with the garment of salvation, as we've mentioned before. Romans chapter 8 tells us about the sufferings of this present time in verse 17 to 21. <clears throat> if children, this is 8.17, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If so be that we suffer with him, that we may be glorified together. For the problems and pains of today, as I said last week, it will be worth it all. <laughs> It'll be worth it all. If we suffer with him, we'll be glorified together. I reckon the sufferings are not to be compared at this present time with the glory that shall be revealed in us. And so there, glorification is mentioned. And Paul reckoned, and Paul had authority to say this, as we'll see in a moment, of what, what he had seen and heard. He knew this to be literal true because he'd been literally there, I believe. So praise the Lord for the word of God that gives us these promises. In verse 24 of Romans 8, For we are saved by hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For what a man seeth, why does he yet hope for? But if we hope for that which we see not, then we do with patience wait for it. Hang on. Hang in. <laughs> Stay with the stuff. Don't go back. Keep pressing forward. It's worth it. It's worth it. And so just keep believing by faith. Don't go back like they did in the wilderness, the Jews. <clears throat> Turn to Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 18. I don't think this one's written in the, in the outline there, but Hebrews chapter 6, verse 18, <clears throat> down to 20. <clears throat> that by two immutable things, in which it was impossible for God to lie, we might have strong consolation, who have fled for refuge to lay hold on the hope that is set before us. <laughs> have you laid hold on the hope? By your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, which hope we have as a what? An anchor to the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which entereth that into that within the veil. <laughs> right into fellowship with the living God in the veil, in the Holy of Holies. He is our intercessor now and our mediator between God and us, the Lord Jesus, where the forerunner for us is entered, even Jesus, made an high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Anchor. Does it say anchor? I've never had to throw an anchor out in a boat because I don't go on boats much. They make me sick. <laughs> Don't they, Nicole? <laughs> Even big ones. <laughs> but um, <clears throat> some people can do it. But throw out the anchor. <laughs> Have you got your anchor in the Lord Jesus? Because he's the only anchor for eternity. What else can you trust? Who else can you trust in? 
Once you get out of this life, once the heart, last heartbeat happens, who's your anchor? You're trusting in your theories of evolution? Well, that's, hey, that's a hopeless. There's no hope in that, is there? Absolutely nothing. Because once I go, I go. Well, you know what the Bible says to people like that? Eat, drink and be merry for tomorrow we may die. Hey, stop trying to save the environment. Just enjoy it. <laughs> because you're not going to be around. Yeah, well, they're thinking about the people, aren't they? The next generation. But <clears throat> this world is not our hope. And even the scientists say it's going to, it's going to wear out. The Bible says that first. <laughs> it's going to be folded up like an old garment. It's going to be put away. The Bible says that. There's no hope in this world. And the Bible says it will be all burnt up anyway. But we have an anchor. The Lord Jesus Christ, most sure and steadfast, and throw the anchor out when the storms get strong and beat against our wall, throw out the anchor into the Lord Jesus Christ and believe what he said Take a hold of his promises. So as an anchor to aching hearts, the promise of glorification. Yes, we're just camping in a tent, as we read earlier, a tabernacle. Was that in prayer meeting or was it last Sunday? But we're just in a tent and we need a tabernacle, a temp temporary dwelling place. We're pilgrims passing through, 1 Peter 2, 4, 2, 11. Fifthly, heaven is a truth that is trifled with by unbelieving people. Let's turn to 2 Peter chapter 3. We've got the way of salvation within reach of any soul. But they mock and jeer at the thought. 2 Peter chapter 3 and verses 3 and 4. Knowing this first that there shall come in the last days scoffers walking after their own lust and saying, where is the promise of his coming? And hey, if the promise of his coming, what comes after his coming? <laughs> the glorification of the saints is what I'm drawing from this. For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. Now, even they admit that there is a creation <laughs> or maybe an evolution. That should be put in for the un unbelieving person. For this they are willingly ignorant of that by the word of God, the heavens were of old and the earth standing out of the water and in the water. The world that then was being overflowed with water, what did it do? It perished. But the heavens and the earth which are now by the same word are kept in store, reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. The truth that he's coming again and that people will live eternally with him when he comes and will be glorified, is mocked at and jeered at by the perdition of ungodly men, as it says there. They scoff, scoff, walking after their own lust. And I fear greatly for people that do that. There are those that are actively antagonistic against the truth of God's word. For them will be reserved a more severe judgment, will it not? than those who are ignorant of the truth and don't mock, as it were, as much as those that, are, that know about it and mock it. And I think that the greatest antagonists are those that have once heard or once been in church. Let's, let's go back to a former prime minister, Bob Hawke. What were his parents? Methodists. 
Did they preach the gospel? Did they preach the gospel? <laughs> Fire and brimstone, they preached the gospel. And in Australia, they preached the gospel. Unsaved people recognise that they did preach that. They've got it in Port Arthur down there. In one of them, we go and press the button and listen to him preach. <laughs> it would be great if they did it again, but most Methodist churches are empty now. They've been selling the buildings. And when I say a church, you know what I mean. <laughs> but <clears throat> these people were, and when they go away from the truth and apostatize and walk away from what their fathers or grandfathers believed, they seem to be very antagonistic against it. They have to develop in their mind arguments against it because they don't believe it. And they have to be that way and it's to justify what they've done. But the truth is trifled with by these people. Do you know some people that trifle with the truth of God's word? Maybe some friends and family and some relatives, some workmates and school friends. They make a mock of it, don't they? Teach, teachers, teachers make a mock of it. <laughs> I think, yeah. This is what was said at a school in town. There's a, there was a, a, a teacher, a fill-in teacher there one day at Trinity and said, how many, and, and, and see what you would do if you answered this question, how many how many animals did Noah take into the ark? What would your answer be? Two of the unclean and seven of the clean. And the teacher said, when the person responded that, that, with that way, well, no, because there was no Noah's ark. Uh, then an argument ensued, a debate, <laughs> and a young man in the church here said, <laughs> Well, sir, I know where I've come from. I know why I'm here. I know where I'm going. Do you? It's sort of a bit of a barb, wasn't it? <laughs> and, you know, people who stand up in a Christian school need to know <laughs> the truth and teach the truth and not try to dissuade young people who are forming their opinions against the truth oh it's been trifled with it's been messed with but God has the final say <laughs> he, he is the final authority what will happen will happen because he makes it happen and just read his word and see what he said will happen heaven sixthly is an indescribable place for an indwelt people I don't know if that's in your outline there, but you can fill it in. An indescribable place. Let's go to First Corinthians chapter 2. Heaven is a wonderful place filled with... I'm not going to sing. Do you know that song? Filled with glory and grace. I think it's a chorus. We sang... Do we sing it still, Tony? We do, yeah. I can't think of all the ones that are in our Sunday school. Filled with glory and grace, because the God of all grace is there. First Corinthians chapter two and verse nine. That one we may know well from memory. But as it is written, I hasn't seen, nor ear heard, 
neither has it entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for them that love him. But God has revealed them unto us by his Spirit. We begin to understand as we research the Scriptures, as we hear of the saints and the testimony, as we read of different things that have happened in history from the, from the Bible. We, by his Spirit, understand some of the things. For the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. And you could read on, but I hasn't seen nor ye heard. You know, the mortal man does not com- comprehend, even the believing mortal man completely does not comprehend the things that are prepared by God for us. And this is a quote from Isaiah 64 verse 4 in the Old Testament. That's where uh, Paul knew his Bible and he was echoing this as he was inspired to write what he wrote there in 1 Corinthians 2. So it's an indescribable place. Trying to help a mortal understand is hard <laughs> with a mortal mind. Let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 1 to 5. As the picture is painted through Scripture, we get a, a bit more of an understanding. 2 Corinthians 12. <clears throat> and Paul here is telling his converts, the Corinthians, because a lot of them got saved through his testimony, um, some might say, well, he's boasting. No, he's not. He's, he, he had not said anything about this for a long time. He'd never said anything. He hadn't, he hadn't mentioned things before. But then he, he said, and we read, I believe it's Paul, it, it is not expedient for me to doubtless to glory, you know, to boast. I will come to visions and revelations of the Lord. I knew a man in Christ above 14 years ago. Whether in the body I cannot tell or out of the body I cannot tell. God knoweth. So what did he just say there? I don't know if it was dead or alive. That's what he said in in English. (laughs) Such a one caught up to the third heaven. The first heaven is where? Atmospheric heaven. Second heaven? The stellar heaven. The third heaven? Beyond. Just reading an article of Voyager 1 has just gone outside our solar system, the sun and our planets. It's just gone through that, broken through it, and Voyager 2 is going to go there in the next three months. Amazing. <laughs> and they're still getting information back from and, and And they say it's all different to what we thought on the edge of our solar system. And because the, the sun puts out the flares and blasts out, as it were, solar winds, and then it runs out of puff, as it were. And then after that, what? <laughs> well, that's where it's gone to. And they say it's all different there than they thought the particles and everything, the rays. Um, <clears throat> and, and from there on, the other stars are pushing back. So it's all being held in equilibrium there with the gravity. Amazing. And, and the billions and billions and trillions of stars and all these galaxies. Uh, but <clears throat> when you think of this, that's the stellar heaven, the third heaven, is <laughs> beyond all that. God made it all. One day we're going to go through there. In this man, whether in the body or out of the body, cannot tell, went there. And uh, he came back. <laughs> because it reads, and I knew uh, such a man 
whether in the body or out of the body, I cannot tell. God knoweth. How he was caught up to the par- to paradise, third heaven, paradise. You just get these little clues of what the picture's being painted and heard unspeakable words which it was not lawful for a man to utter. Of such an one will I glory, yet of myself I will not glory. It's <laughs> That's why I believe it was Paul. Caught up and saw and heard this. Of glory in mine infirmities, in my problems, not in and how God meets them and uses them for his glory. For though I would desire to glory, I shall not be a fool, for I will say the truth. But now I forbear, lest any man should think me above that which he, ha- which he seeth me to be, or that he heareth to me. He said, he's sort of not claiming it, but he is. <laughs> and he's saying, I'm not going to glory. And wow, Paul, let's exalt Paul. Let's put Paul on a pedestal. That's what I don't want that to happen. I want the Lord to be lifted up. I want the Lord, Lord to be magnified. But the, the claim here is a man caught up to the third heaven, to paradise, and heard things. And he would have seen things, but he didn't tell us about it because it's not lawful for that to be known. We have enough in the scriptures to concern ourselves with. And we won't get to the bottom of this, let alone all that that's yet to come. So, folks, it's indescribable. It's some place that we're going to go to one day. And I think because God is God, we'll never know all that he knows. We'll continue, continually and forever be learning about him. We have a wonderful place to go to when we are glorified with the new body. Are you looking forward to it? Amen. I hope you are. <laughs> Or do you like your little tent down here? <laughs> you want to stay in the tent? Don't believe. <laughs> well, you won't stay in it for too long, <laughs> as I've already seen. Now, <clears throat> we're having time, but I've got all the references. I don't know. Did I put them in there for Ezekiel, from Ezekiel? Did, don't go there. <laughs> but you can in your, in your good time. Start looking at the glory of God and how it was present in Jerusalem in the temple. And how that because of Israel's disobedience and forgetting of God and his ways, God's glory started moving out. It moved to, I think, three times the glory of God moved. But each time is description of the glory of God. <laughs> and it's a bit of a taste of heaven to see the glory of God. Now, not, no Jew could just go into the Holy of Holies. That was a forbidden place. But for one person, once a year, because the presence of God was there. Isn't that heaven <laughs> where the presence of God is? And there the presence of God was and <clears throat> they were warned not to go in. Ezekiel 1, Ezekiel 8, Ezekiel 43 and all in the start of each of those chapters. You know the vision. Even unsaved people try to, I don't know if they mock or laugh at it, but talk about the wheels within the wheels and all the, all the things <laughs> that were seen when God's presence is trying to be described and the glory of it. In, especially in Ezekiel chapter 1. That's why most people start with reading Ezekiel and then skip Ezekiel and go to the next book, which is whichever <laughs> that comes after Ezekiel. <clears throat> the glory of the Lord is talked about there. The indescribable place and person will be, will be ours because we're indwelt by the Spirit of God. 
let's go to the book of Revelation because here you see heaven opened a little bit and that's something we didn't consider when we were going through it maybe mentioned that but is Revelation chapter 4 it's like the, the door of heaven is cracked a little bit and you're you, you eavesdropping and peeping in <laughs> this is the picture you get in, in um, Revelation of little glimpses of what it's like there <laughs> After this, this I looked, and behold, a door was opened in heaven. And the first voice I heard was, as it were, a trumpet talking with me. So get ready <laughs> when we get our glorified body, as it were, a trumpet talking with me, which said, what? Come up hither, and I will show things which must be hereafter. And immediately I was in the spirit, and behold, a throne was set in heaven. And one sat on the throne, and he that sat was to look upon like a jasper. Anybody got a jasper stone here this morning? Do you know what it looks like? Never had one. <laughs> but that's he that was on the throne was to look upon like a jasper, like a sardine stone, and there was a rainbow around about the throne in sight like an emerald. You see, you start getting a little bit of a glimpse of heaven as the door is open. Just as John went and said, come up here and have a, have a look and I'm going to tell you things that are going to happen shortly. Um, <clears throat> verse 5. And out of the throne proceeded lightnings and thundering and voices and there were seven lamps of fire burning before the throne which are the seven spirits of God. And uh, you need to be an artist to be able to put all this together as you get each piece and then add that to the picture. And see the indescribable place for an indwelt people and where we're going, our eternal home. And before the throne, there was a sea of glass like crystal. And in the midst of the throne and round about the throne were four beasts full of eyes before and behind. You say, scary. <laughs> Not if it's heaven. <laughs> Only if it's, you're an unsaved person to be scary. These beasts full of eyes and behind, before and behind. And the first beast was like a lion. And the second like a calf. The second beast like a calf. And the third beast had the face like a man. And the fourth beast was like a flying eagle. They're all things that we know down here, aren't they? The four beasts. This is round, round the throne. And each of them had six wings about him. And they were full of eyes within. And the rest not day and night, saying... Oh, this is the reference for the meetings. Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. And when they finished saying that, they said it again. And they said it again, just giving homage and glory to the Lord. This is the indescribable place called heaven. How, how does your house prepare, um, compare <laughs> with this place? Just doesn't compare, does it? It would melt in a moment if it was in the presence of the glory of God. Uh, what a wonderful place. Chapter 5 of Revelation and verse 13. And every creature that is in heaven and on earth and under the earth and such as in the sea and all that are in them heard I saying, Blessing and honour and glory and power be unto him that sitteth upon the throne and to the Lamb forever and ever. And the four beasts said amen and the four and twenty elders fell down and worshipped him that liveth forever and ever and you can read on in chapter 15 and chapter 11 well chapter 11 we're not far from that one in verse 19 
It says this of this place that we're going to one day. And the temple of God was opened in heaven. At the door in Revelation 4, the temple of God was opened in heaven and there was seen in the temple the ark of his testament and there were lightnings and voices and thunderings and an earthquake and great hail. Well, you can draw your own picture (laughs) of what you think it's going to be like when you get there. And don't be too surprised when you get there. If you read the word, you shouldn't be. It's going to be beyond what you can imagine. But <clears throat> I don't think anyone that gets there will say, well, woo, 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 I want to go back. This is too scary. <laughs> no, not at all. We'll, we'll have welcome home. Come in. <laughs> you know, you don't have to even knock. They'll take you there. <laughs> the, the angel, death angel, takes you there. It, we say the grim reaper, but the grim reaper is for an unsaved person, isn't it? The angel takes us to their place there, as scripture indicates. Well, heaven is also a calming hope for a chaotic, confused and condemned world. A calming hope. With everything going bad and everything seemed to be going wrong, praise God that heaven can calm us down. (laughs) Politically religiously, morally, militarily, personally, things are chaotic. And because we live in Australia way down under, we don't see the problems. As we mentioned earlier, we're not involved in the things that are going on overseas. But many people are, and many Christians are too. And we need to pray for them, but that may have a calming Influence of knowing that heaven is there. Second Timothy chapter three, and there speaks about the religious confusion that's around the chaotic world in religious circles, and even the unsaved people are saying this is not right. Are they not? They're taking us to. They're taking so-called Christians to court over issues. Second Timothy chapter three. And there, this know that in the last days perilous times will come. Men, and, and these, these men, these people, down in verse 5, have a form of godliness. For men shall be lovers of their selves, covetous, boasters, proud and blasphemous, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy. Uh, just to paint a picture of a chaotic scene. Without natural affection, truce bakers, false accusers. Constantly in the media, we're seeing mobs and crowds of people protesting, burning flags, fighting with the government, fighting against this, protesting against that. And so we say, oh, it's all so bad, but praise God for the, for the hope of the Christian of heaven. It's a calming hope in a chaotic place. Had a couple of calls from pastors this week concerned with the direction of our even independent Baptists. And the influences that are coming in. And you have to be older probably to see the change. If you're younger, you don't see the change that has come. <clears throat> and, and, and that comes through in meetings where they all get together. And you start talking. And that's probably why it's good to just stay in a local church. Because <laughs> you can get pick up influences. You know, there's, I, don't th- I don't recommend this, but when winter comes... The flu comes, doesn't it? 
And so, well, I'm not meeting in a public place <coughs> called church. <laughs> I'm not going shopping anywhere because everybody's around there with a the bug. So I'm just staying home. And some people think that way and, uh, <laughs> because I'll catch the bug. No, we're to go out. Are we not to go out and tell people, Matthew 28, 19 and 20, of the glorious gospel. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. Don't isolate, but insulate yourself and go out and let people know. And be an influence. Be an influence for the glory and of God and for the good of the church as we go. As Hebrews chapter 12 verses 1 to 4 tells us, Looking unto whom? Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Wherefore, seeing we are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, all these people of the Old Testament were just spoken about in chapter 11, let us lay aside every weight and the sin that does so easily beset us. Have you been beset this week by sin? Probably. If you say you haven't, you need to be the one that's preaching. <laughs> You're an angel. <laughs> we do get beset by sin. We do have our problems and our moments. It besets us. Let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despised the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. And consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself. Look unto Jesus, consider him, lay aside the weight that besets us and run with patience. Uh, <clears throat> he is a calming hope in a chaotic world, in a confused world, in a condemned world. The Lord has given us hope. And what has he given us hope of? Well, over in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, just touching on a few of the verses we have down, chapter 15 and verse 42. Uh, 1 Corinthians, and that is the resurrection chapter. And it says in those verses in 42, <clears throat> so also is the resurrection of the dead. It is sown in corruption. The old body dies and deteriorates and goes back to dirt. It is raised in incorruption. It will never die again, never be corrupted. It is sown in dishonor. You know, the glory of man, it, it peaks when you get older and you get a bit of influence. And then we get older, and what happens? You go over the hill. I mean, <laughs> down the other side, and you pick up speed. <clears throat> you know, you can have, don't even have to have an engine in a car to go downhill and pick up speed, do you? <laughs> and I said that to a younger man some time back, this is about 35 years ago. You know, you get old, you pick up speed. And he got it all wrong. <laughs> he got the parable wrong. No, you don't. You get old and slow. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm talking not about <laughs> what you can do in your mortal life, <laughs> but how it picks up speed going downhill. You're going downhill. And uh, if you're older, you know how quickly it picks up speed. <laughs> it's sown in corruption. Don't expect it to get better. Yeah, listen, you can take all the powders and all the potions <laughs> all your life. Is this going over? Oh, okay. <laughs> I know one, someone who's very close related to me <laughs> who has been, if you've been there, you know who I'm talking about. 
but a big tray. And here's all the vitamins you need to be taking. What, what's your ailment? This one. <laughs> you know, they may help a little, but they're not going to keep you from dying. We're looking for an immortal body. You know, you be sensible and take what you need to, but don't go overboard. I know some you that have been getting into, get into the scorpic acid. In, that's vitamin C in the raw form. Bitter stuff. Because I was made to try it. <laughs> but they ate so much that their toenails and fingernails went black. <laughs> Don't do it. <laughs> there is a balance in those things. <clears throat> we'll get off that one. <laughs> We've got heaven to look forward to. <laughs> and, and, and maybe when we get there, we'll eat angels' food. Because it talks about it. I don't know what they eat, but it does talk about that. <clears throat> well, it talked about the people, that's what it was. It was the people of Israel in the wilderness, remember? And the, the, the manna rained down on them and it said angels' food. It had everything in that that needed to sustain life. And maybe it had something in there to terminate life because they were all going to die <laughs> before they went into the wilderness after 40 years. But it was long enough to have them live before and die before they went into the, to the land. And what did the people of God do in, Israel, in, in, in the land when they're in the wilderness there? They complained and complained. This bread, this, we loathe this bread. And it was angels' food. Wouldn't you say if God provided something, he'd do the best? And he did. Uh, <clears throat> John, 1 John 3 Verses 1 to 3. We'll finish with the calming hope because there's no time to keep going. First John chapter 3. <clears throat> Verses 1 to 3. Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself, even as he, the Lord, is pure. This hope of heaven, this hope of glorification, should change the way we think and act and live. We should live holy lives because of it. And we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. <clears throat> What is he like? Therefore we shall know what we shall be like when we see him. Have we a picture? Did we or man ever see the Lord Jesus in his, in his resurrected body? They did see him in his glorified body at the Mount of Transfiguration. But did any person see the Lord after he was raised? Yes, they did. That's in 1 Corinthians 15. And in fact, 500 people saw him at once. And they were all believing people. No, no, no non-believers there. That, that was one congregation where they could say, you're all saved, folks, <laughs> on that one, one time. But <clears throat> remember the accounts. Mary, he said. Rabboni, she said. Master, she saw him. Remember the two on the road to Emmaus. They were so miserable, so downhearted and downtrodden, 
and oh, everything's useless and let's give up. <laughs> and someone started walking beside them and expounding unto them the scriptures on the, on the road to Emmaus. And they were so upset they didn't realise the Lord was right there talking to them. <laughs> they weren't thinking. And then they said, haven't you, don't you know what's going on in Jerusalem? The one we'd hoped to be the Messiah, they've killed, he's dead now. <laughs> and he's right next to them. <laughs> he was walking, he was talking, he was reasoning, he was fellowshipping, he was, he was going to eat bread with them too. And <laughs> when he gave thanks, they realised who he was. And they took off back to Jerusalem to say, we saw him. He was talking to us. You see, he's a, he, he will relate to people. He'll walk and talk with them as he did with Adam and Eve. He will do that with us in heaven. A calming hope, is it not, in a chaotic world that we have in the Lord Jesus. Other people that saw him <laughs> was the disciples gathered in a room. <laughs> What's going to happen to us? We're identified with him. They killed him. They're going to kill us. And he turned up in the midst of them. And they all flung back against the wall. They were frightened, it says. They thought they saw a ghost. These were grown men. These are men that were fishermen, most of them on the Sea of Galilee and in very bad circumstances with storms. And they were scared. They were tough men. They were scared. And uh, be not troubled in his eye. <laughs> he went into the room through the locked doors and appeared. We shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. You know, time and travel and all the things will be so different when we get to heaven. It's a calming hope. It's in Titus, described in Titus chapter 2 and verse 13, as a blessed hope of him coming again and receiving us unto himself. Titus 2.13 says, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of a great God and Saviour, Jesus Christ. <clears throat> and 1 Thessalonians 4.13 to 18 that described the Lord's coming again. And Paul concluded with this, Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. It's not a scary thought. It's a wonderful thought to be glorified <clears throat> and to be in his presence. It's a perfect place for a perfect people and it's just one heartbeat away. There was a fellow many years ago we got, he, he got saved and he did an invitation. The invitation was as long as a sermon. I don't agree with that. But anyway, because he can be persuaded by psychology and emotion and everything. And he's doing this. This is your heart. And then he stopped when he was saying all this. It just stopped. Now what? Where would you be now? And he went on for about 15 minutes with an invitation. Bob Harrington was his name. And as a young person, I was only a little young teenager. And I, wow. And I, it, it did make me think about eternity. But we're one heartbeat away. Unless there's a defibrillator amongst us. <laughs> Or a CPR person that might keep us, keep us pumping until you, you revive. But it's that quick and we're out into eternity. Where would you be if you died now? Would you be in heaven in glory? Or would you be in hell with the rich man?
because that's as quick as it's going to be when it happens. Accidents do happen. Well, appointments do happen. Where would you be if you slipped out into eternity? I pray that you'd be in heaven. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you for the wonderful thought of being glorified in your presence. And no matter what the world or unbelieving or the scoffers say, we know it is true. We know we have a building of God. We know we have a home in heaven. We know you've gone to prepare a place for us. We believe all your promises absolutely. And Lord, the longer we live here, the more hope we have in heaven. We, we lay up our treasures there. We are going there. We want to be there. We want to go home. And Lord, if there's someone here that doesn't, and someone's contented with this world, may today be the day where they consider being, becoming a Christian by believing on the Lord Jesus Christ who died for their sins. Bless them with salvation. Your spirit may strive with them this, this day. And bless us as Christians as we go our ways in Jesus' name. Amen.